0: Woy, boy, 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 Then he then go on the radio again. Yo! If you want to smoke free weed, go board yourself in you it to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself, go board yourself.
1: All right, welcome to episode 58 of grow bud yourself we have a great show in store for you guys today you definitely want to stick around for this mike and i are going to talk about some exciting legalization news our guest is roland cordova from veterans cannabis and you grow rentals and we have a cultivation segment all about the vegetative stage and building a foundation for your plants along with grow questions answered stick around excelsior extracts sweet Leaf nutrients and rocket seeds bringing you episode 58 of grow bud yourself hey you guys i really want to thank our sponsors from excelsior extracts These are great friends of the show, uh, great friends of mine for many years, incredible growers, incredible people. And they have made some incredible products as well, including their THC infused pain rub. And you know it works because you're talking about people who are real true cannabis medical patients that are making this. Just want to shout out Outcast and and, uh, TOH. Check them out on Instagram. At Excelsior Extracts, that's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S, Excelsior Extracts. DM them if you're interested in trying out that pain relief rub. Tell them Grow Bud Yourself sent you. And uh, yeah, man, thank you to uh, T and O from Excelsior for sponsoring the show and being just such great friends and supporters. Alright, welcome to episode 58, and as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Win Strong for the incredible, incredible song. I mean, theme music. Who who would have thunk it? I love it. So, thank you guys. And uh, we got a great show in store for
0: you guys. Um, first, I think we should talk about some of the things going on. Well, I mean, at first, I mean, it's tradition at this point. This is episode 58, and uh, I don't know if you have anything. I've got a bit of a depressing one. Okay. Now, now, maybe this has changed because, you know, uh, this is back from October of 2020. I guess it really hasn't been that long. But, you know, states have gone legal since then. But um, according to Eric Altieri, the head of Normal, he came out with this statement uh, after going over some of the arrest details and said police across America make a marijuana-related arrest every 58 seconds. So every 58 seconds, someone in America is getting busted for pot. That's, Pretty crazy, right? That's insane. Yeah, that's just awful. Less but than that's, a that's, second. That's kind of depressing. So let's maybe talk about something positive. And that, of course, is finally at last. And I guess we can't say officially because the governor hasn't signed it as of, the, as of us recording this right now. But the House and the Senate have passed a legalization bill in Connecticut. All right. Amazing.
1: That's that is incredible who would think that New Jersey New York and Connecticut you know would would be would happening so so quickly I mean we talk about it but the the reality is just amazing
0: it is pretty crazy New York New Jersey and Connecticut uh, all uh, legalized cannabis this year in 2021 I, I know voters in New Jersey passed it uh, last year but it wasn't uh, the Legislature didn't pass the law, and the governor didn't sign it into law until 2021. So the tri-state area really came through in 2021. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's just. Uh, I know there was some contention,
1: you know, leading up to this thing passing, and uh, a lot of issues regarding equity and home grow, uh, all these issues that happen now. You know, every time one of these bills uh, is up for, you know, for for. Consideration, which I think is good and important and uh, really, uh, you know, speaks to how far things have come since uh, the first, you know, initial legalization of, of, of years ago.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, once again, we should just preface this. Ned Lamont, the governor of Connecticut has not yet signed uh, the bill. It, it's gone to his desk. I think it's a formality. He's indicated he's going to sign it. He's been, Pushing for uh, cannabis legalization for years now. He even uh, proposed uh, legal pot plans for each of the last two years. So we think he's going to sign it. He hasn't yet. If it actually goes into effect, uh, adults 21 and older in Connecticut could possess uh, up to an ounce and a half of pot beginning July 1st. They believe sales would start in May of 2022. So uh, just under a year from now, sales will start in Connecticut. So uh, a lot of good things. Um, there's expungement with this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into it a little
1: more. I've just, uh, I, I mean, I hope there's home grow, but uh, I, and uh, I know they were fighting for it, so it would be a shame if it wasn't in a part of it. But, uh, but oh, I don't. Here
0: we Yeah, home 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 cultivation would be permitted uh, first for medical patients and later for adult use consumers. So that is part of the law. The new law, uh, home grow would be a part of it.
1: All right. Well, hey, you know that's that's a positive sign uh, so thank you to Connecticut uh, you know pending the governor's signature uh, but thanks to the activists that put the feet uh, of these politicians to the fire and and made sure that there was uh, uh, you know a, a decent bill passed rather than something that just benefited uh, very few and uh, didn't allow for patients to grow or any of that and um, you know it, it, it it, it is important, and, and the, the bills that are passing now uh, have more scrutiny upon them, and I think it's, that is very important. And we as activists need to just continue to make sure uh, that these things are, are in our favor and socially equitable.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it wasn't a mirror image of New York, but in each case, uh, the governor supported cannabis, had put it in his budget proposal... And in each case, uh, the bill that the governor, Ned Lamont in Connecticut, and of course Cuomo here in New York came out with, just didn't meet standards and was, you know, kind of crapped on. But people didn't give up on it. And as Dan said, activists held their feet to the fire. The legislature came through, came up with better legislation. And that's what ended up passing. So um, I'm excited for the Northeast. I mean... If you just break it down, you know, you've got Maine, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Vermont. Uh, all we're missing, I think, are, are New Hampshire, uh, Rhode Island, and then if you want to include Pennsylvania in the region, uh, Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah, well, and those are all hopefully going to happen soon. Mm-hmm. Especially, well, I mean, think about New Hampshire. New Ham- well, they're surrounded. I mean, even with Canada. So, yeah, I would I would hope, you know.
0: I think Rhode but, Island is uh, any day now. That's going to yeah, happen first. And then, for sure. then probably, um, probably Pennsylvania, maybe. And New Hampshire, probably not. <laughs> well, as you said, the
1: people have the power. That's the thing. Like, everybody, the last, you know, I don't know how many years, everybody has been talking about, you know, politics and how broken and messed up it is. But when it comes to cannabis, we can be the change and we can make the change and make it the way we we want it to be. And if not, then change it. But the important thing is really, you know, as things become more legal, I don't, you know, I love the fact that cannabis is becoming more legal, but I don't always love legal cannabis, Mm. but it's important for us. To make sure that legal cannabis, qual- the quality of legal cannabis is up to what we want. And you can't have that uh, in these huge uh, facilities and you can't have that when, you know, there's four people in charge of the the quality for the, a whole state. So it is really important to make sure that we use our power uh, and get the products and the quality that we deserve and that we want and that... Uh, you know, that we can get anyway, uh, either by growing our own or, or going to the underground or the traditional marketplace. So, uh, I you know, that's uh, kudos to Connecticut and, uh, you know, pending signatures and all that. I think it's really a, a great step forward. Uh, but, you know, let's continue to make sure that uh the politicians are listening to the people and if not vote them out and put new ones in or or be the politicians <laughs> either yeah, way and, and uh, it,
0: it's never you know going to be perfect because the the thing that we want is just complete freedom when it comes to cannabis and it's never going to be that but but as long as we keep pushing as Dan said you know, get the best, uh, best program that we can possibly get. And then once it's in there, you change it more and get it closer to what you want. And it's all, it's progressing and that's great to see. And just one other thing I wanna hit on before we uh, move on from this story. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a clip of a, a reporter asking ne- Ned Lamont if he was gonna smoke, you know, smoke some cannabis uh, once it's legalized. And he, he basically left it open to a possibility. He said time will tell. You know, it seems as if he might be uh, open to to puffing now that it's legal in Connecticut.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's hope he does it on TV.
0: And maybe he'll do it on our show. Ned, if you're listening, man, open invitation. Come on, come on grow bud yourself. We'll smoke some weed. We'll chat. <laughs> you can tell us what it's like being a governor.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And sh- again... Uh, Let's not diminish the importance of the activists of Connecticut that uh, worked really hard. So, uh, yeah, you all know who you are and uh, truly appreciate all the hard work and uh, enjoy light up. You deserve it. And, uh, you know, the fight continues, but uh, it's a huge win and uh, continue, continue on forward. And the Northeast uh, will be the green region very soon.
0: Yeah, man. Rhode Island, you're up. Time to puff, puff, pass it. 100%. That's what's going on uh, in Connecticut. Uh, but we have a really interesting interview coming up. Yes,
1: indeed. Uh, Roland Cordova of Veterans Cannabis and You Grow Rentals, who uh, basically employs veterans to grow cannabis for patients in Uh, compartmentalized spaces that you can basically lease and have uh, strange specific plants grown for you uh, by vets that you can watch uh, on a cam and make sure the plants are doing great it's a really interesting business model and he's a very interesting guy so without further ado uh, why don't we take a break and come back after these messages with Roland Cordova Hey you guys, I want to tell you guys about a sponsor of ours, Rocket Seeds. Uh, Check them out at rocketseeds.com. They have a ton, I mean over 500 different varieties of cannabis strains available. Uh, High quality seeds, great genetics, Uh, they ship worldwide, which is very important, Uh, reliable support and they also ship for a variety of different seed banks. They've got feminized seeds, autoflowering seeds, regular seeds. Uh CBD seeds, a lot of people are looking for that. So check them out at rocketseeds.com or on Instagram rocket underscore seeds. They are awesome and we are really happy to have them on as a sponsor. So check them out. Blast off and get your seeds from rocketseeds.com. All right. Welcome back. And we have a very special guest for you guys this week. We are speaking with Roland Cordova. He is with Veterans Cannabis and you Grow Rentals. He is the founder and president. So, uh, Roland, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Danny. I appreciate it. Um, tell me uh, a little bit about uh, You Grow Rentals and the service that you guys provide.
2: Well, it basically started... Um, with the concept that a lot of people would like to be able to grow their own strain specific organic cannabis their own medicine Um, again everything that we're about is medicinal and so we knew that there was a lot to learn and you know i've done it i know what a pain in the ass it is and so I know I knew that there'd be a lot of people that would like to have their own medicine grown for them as opposed to doing it in their home. You know, there's a lot of unfortunate uh, things that can happen when you're growing in your home. Um, you can have to worry about people stealing. You have to worry about smell. You have to worry about children, um, fire hazards, because there's a lot of equipment that's needed. Not only that, but not knowing about the chemicals, overwatering, the signs that plants are under stress. And, you know, people want to make the most potent, uh, the cheapest, the most, you know, economically that they can. And so that's where the idea came up.
1: Right. Now, how did veterans uh, cannabis or just veterans in general become part of your business model? Uh, Are you yourself a veteran as well?
2: Yes, I am. I was in the Navy on a guided missile destroyer. Uh, My home port was Pearl Harbor. Um, But the main thing was we all know what our returning veterans go through. Um, You know, they kill themselves at 22 a day. Um, The homeless, the alcoholism, the broken marriages, you know, it's just this, they're screaming for help. And here comes this $100 billion industry that's about to be let loose and who should get first shot at giving a good living for them and their family. And so it was really a no brainer. Once we thought about it and really looked into it, um, we brought in the top Navy SEALs, retired veterans, but not just Navy SEALs, the instructors for the Navy SEALs. Um, We brought in people that were very knowledgeable in business, that had overcome all the obstacles and and it just started growing from there. Then we got the best doctors because one thing we realized was these guys aren't well. They've they've gone through emotional, physical uh, damage and we had to deal with that if we really wanted a a good foundation of good employees. And so we knew we had to deal with their health. That was number one. Um, You know, it's interesting that It's only been 20 years since they actually discovered the endocannabinoid system. And the endocannabinoid system affects every part of the body. They say that it's the bridge from the body to the brain. And, um, you know, we just know that once we were able to play with all the different strains as opposed to just the ones that are profitable, it just all came together that way.
0: Before we get uh, to uh, more in-depth into the great work you're doing with uh, with veterans, let's talk about uh, your background. What was your relationship uh, with cannabis like? Obviously, it's difficult when you are involved in the military, But um, but when did that develop
2: for you? Well, let me put it to you this way, Mike. I was at the first love-in at Griffith Park, because I'm a Hollywood boy, in 1967. I was 13, I had long hair, I I was a rock and roll musician, played all the clubs, everything in in Los Angeles. Um it's always been a part of my life, okay? You couldn't get away from it. And so you know, I, I I've raised six children. Um I've owned many many multimillion dollar companies and so it kind of lost the Everyday use. Um, about three, four years ago, when uh, California was doing Prop 64, I just knew I had to be a part of this. You know, it's been a part of my whole life. And the more that I learned, the more I found out about the benefits medically and all of the different disorders that we could eliminate some of the harsh chemicals and replace it with this it just made sense. And, you know, I love starting businesses that really has been my, you know, I don't know if you guys remember the the safe cans that unscrewed at the bottom and you hide your money and jewelry and pot in them. That was my company. That was a company called California Safe. And um, so it's just always been a part of me. And so what our medicinal pharmaceutical world has done is they've always tried to find some chemical that could deal with the symptoms of an issue, but never the core problem. And so we want to take a different approach. And a lot of times, especially in the cannabinoid, endocannabinoid system, it's not all about getting to the point where you're high. Because it's so sensitive to cannabinoids, all it takes is a small amount. So it's almost like a nutraceutical. It's something that you just need a little bit. It stimulates this part of the body and it relaxes you, and it calms you down, and it gets those demons out of your mind that keep driving you to alcohol or whatever your demons or your drug of choice is going to be. So we want to take a look at it differently. Uh, We're not into recreational. There's going to be enough of that for everybody, but we really want to work on a different mindset and use our military veterans as our are you know perfect demographic to get their health back on track. And then once they learn this and understand it, we want them to be the voice that goes out and does the education. So in our plans for veterans cannabis, the first thing we do after they've been through their evaluation is we deal with their health issues. While they're in training, we are dealing with their health. And then by the time that they graduate, we have a mentorship program where we want to move them entrepreneurially into whatever their talent is, whether it be construction, whether it be manufacturing, whether it be extraction, whether it be food, whatever. We want them to have first shot at making a good living on it. That's great. That's awesome. So uh,
1: take me through the process. If I'm a patient in California and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired of going to dispensaries, not necessarily getting the products that I want, the strain specific kind of thing that you're talking about. And I'd like to, uh, work with you, grow rentals and have, uh, you know, veterans growing for me. This is a, a facility that houses, uh, t- th- over a thousand 10 by 10 foot grow rooms. Uh, t- tell me about the process of, of,
2: of, how people get involved. Okay. Well, they would go to our website which is com. There is a application there. So we get to know who these people are. We wanna find out a little bit about them. and And I want you guys to kind of understand that we're not looking really for the youth of the world. We're really not. We're looking at the people that are in their 40s, their 50s, their 60s. They've heard about CBDs. They've heard about all these advantages. But really, they can't even see themselves going into a dispensary. Okay? It's just, it's just not in their mindset. So we would figure out exactly what strain we feel would best be appropriate for what they want. Now, we have options. They can either buy their own equipment and set up their own 10 by 10 room, which has a camera. So they're gonna have an app, and the app they're gonna press a button and constantly be in communication with the vet that is their master grower for their room. They're going to always be up to date on what's going on and when the lights are on, because when plants are in flower, lights are on 12 hours a day. They can press a button and they can see their crop. You know, again, it just makes it a little more emotional. Like, wow, look, these are my these are my plants that are being done. Uh, we're also putting six into veg state, so the, the the second that we cultivate, we have another six going right into flowers. So they're basically getting four to five crops a year. Now, if they want to buy their own equipment, because in the back of their mind they think, well, maybe in a year or two. I might want to grow it if I know what I'm doing, then great. They can take their equipment when they want, take it to their house, but not make any stupid mistakes. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever grown, but everything is pretty costly in this industry. The, you know, these nutrients, they don't give them away, right? So they're expensive. And to, to not do a crop correctly is very disheartening and so and and i've lived this so i understand it and you know the air conditioners and the you know and have, have too much water not enough water too much nutrients not flushing whatever the case may be a lot of people are just too busy they don't want to dick with it they just they just don't have the time but they do want to know that when their crop is done they're getting the best the strongest and the most inexpensive for what their needs are, okay? So again, young kids, they love it. They do it in their backyards, whatever. I totally get it. But another thing we're really after are caretakers. Caretakers in California, they're not limited to six plants. They can do 200 plants. And if they're dealing with cancer patients, if they're dealing with specific type of groups that need their help that they are working on because they've got the experience. Well, we want to make sure that they're getting the medicine that they're giving to their patients um, with no toxins in it, clean and very, very potent so that they can take the least amount and make their product last longer. What we want to do is not make this a guessing game we want them getting what they need at the right dose inexpensively. That's the goal. You grow rentals, actually lease out space, uh, 10 by
1: 10 spaces for patients to, to, to have strains grown for them uh, by veterans. And I wanna know, uh, why will patients want strain specific medicine, Roland?
2: Well, I'm, I'm not a firm believer that you know, one plant fits all. The most important thing people probably don't know is that there are 800 different strains of cannabis. And because of that, we don't want to limit ourselves to just three or four strains that people have to choose from. As we start evolving and we start learning about different strains or formulations of strains, um, then we wanna be able to fine tune so that people are getting exactly what they need and no more than what they need. You know, we don't want to get into overdosing like I spoke about a little bit earlier. A lot of time the benefits happen prior to you getting high. That's what you see with CBD. The CBDs do not have THC, so there is no high attached to them. So we, what we're going to do is we're going to search the world for all eight hundred strains because we want to play with the variety because that's where we will be able to formulate very specific medicines depending on whether we're dealing with children, whether we're dealing with adults, different types of disorders. So it's the variety. That's what we look for. We don't wanna just limit ourselves. We wanna open this plant plant up so that we become the, hopefully the aficionados of this, that, that we will be able to print and document exactly what all these strains are and mixing CBDs with THCs so that again, If they're not looking for any high, but they have a disorder that we need just to stimulate the endocannabinoid system, that's what we want to do. And I also want you to know that no patient will ever come to our facilities. We cannot have a thousand people walking through and opening their doors and bringing in all kinds of pests or things that we have no control over. When our vets go into each room, they are clothed not in street clothes, they're wearing almost like they're in a dust-free environment because we have to be very, very careful about that. That's why we have the cameras so that they can see what's going on. Even when their plants are de the de is not thrown away. That is frozen for them so that they've got that when it becomes time for extraction. So we want them to make as much as they can with what they are investing in And so I just want to make sure that people understand that that the security and everything that is involved is going to be top notch for their crops. Indeed. And also, um, you know,
1: it seems that if a patient has an issue, let's say, with, uh, you know, uh, stress or anxiety or uh, post-traumatic stress, for instance, uh, when you're dealing with uh, veterans in particular, uh, they're not going to want a strain that exacerbates that situation for them. They're going to want something specific for calming that, you know, those symptoms. So that's interesting as well. Now, these um, military veterans that you employ as um, master growers in in your spaces uh, at You Grow Rentals, uh, they grow in, in small batches, in 10 by 10 spaces. And I harp on that on the show all the time that, you know, one of the things I learned in almost 20 years of uh, writing about cultivation for high times and visiting all these different grows was that the bigger the, the space, the harder it is to control the quality and to maintain quality. Now, why, why is growing in smaller batches easier to control?
2: Well, first of all, it's what is allowed by the state of California. That's not true with caregivers like we had discussed. So the state of California allows you to grow 12 plants six in flower, six in veg state. So a 10 by 10 room is the size that we've been allotted. Okay, Even though our rooms are expandable, so that if a caretaker does come in and they do need 200 plants, the rooms will open up to the size that is going to be what they're needed. Um, Again, when you're thinking of pests, when you're thinking of anything that you're going to need to make sure that nothing happens to their crop, because we're going to stand behind the crop. If anything was to go wrong, we're going to make sure that they get their, their crop because that's on us. So when you're dealing in small batches, it's that person's crop. It is locked with their lock on it. Nobody, but their master grower is allowed in that room. And it's just much easier to maintain. And so again, the, the, the most important thing that that we're about, you guys, is we want opportunity for veterans in any aspect we can. We want our veterans going to doctor's offices and, and opening the opportunity for these doctors to carry a veteran-owned brand of medicine. We want Everything that we touch to be actually made by a veteran. Here comes this one opportunity, and all we want is America to say, hell yes. You know, we don't want the politicians making all the money, all the rich people. If we have this unbelievable opportunity coming that we already know is $90 billion, then hell yeah, my vote is let's give this to our veterans. And that's what we're trying to do. So we just want to be that umbrella. We want them to say, I know when I get out, I can make one phone call. I can get online. I can start looking into this opportunity. And I think a lot of people will really appreciate supporting veteran brands as opposed to just anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. And on that note, I understand you have a petition on uh, change.org. Tell me, you know, a little bit about what you're trying to achieve with that and how people can participate.
2: Well, you know what, Danny? Um, What we're trying to do, man, is get the word out. And change.org was just a way to just start people showing their support and their commitment because that's really what it's going to take. It's, you know, um, there's a couple of Republican congressmen that have started the Common Sense Cannabis Reform Act for veterans, uh, medical and business ownership, and uh, it's going to the House right now. So we want politicians who know, who a lot of them are veterans, that see this opportunity and say, yeah, I want to champion this. I want to be a voice for this. I truly believe that the way that this is set up is going to help a lot of veterans and their families. And so, you know, it's just a matter of time, but the more we get an opportunity, which I want to thank you guys for, for letting us get on your show, the more people know about it, get on our websites and go, hell yeah, I would love to support this concept That's the most we can ask, man. But that's all I'm doing right now is I'm just trying to get the word out.
1: Nice. Well, well, anything we can do to help. Um, Now, what role does hemp play uh, in the future of UGrow? And give me an idea of just your long-term vision uh, for UGrow and cannabis.
2: Everything that we're doing is designed to be in every state. 37 states have medical cannabis been approved. So we want our facilities depending on how they're how big their demographics we're working with a group right now called uh, patients out of time and uh it's a large well designed group and mary lynn the president is an angel Um, we're working on developing a 50 acre lot that she has in virginia um, to make a retreat for veterans um but we want them in every state. We want our medical clinics in every state. Again, we want to create the largest brand in the cannabis industry that is vet-owned. Vet-owned and operated, run, and that's who profits from it, are these families. Again, you guys know as well as I do, it's not a product that you just take down and smoke. There are a hundred applications as far as hemp. Why would we, because you know how big hemp is going to be. They can use it for anything, for clothing, construction, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. The first Bible was made out of hemp. So we understand its applications, but I would love to know that all over the United States, our veterans have an opportunity to have a hemp farm only because it's medicinal. I mean, a lot of people like gardening and it's got a lot of really, you know, relaxing and de-stressing attributes to it. So we would like to have special opportunities where we, through our crowdfunding in each state, can can come up with these businesses that are veteran owned. They've gone through their training, they're They know what they're doing, and we do a crowdfunder to support that veteran. And I'm telling you guys, there's nothing better than seeing somebody that didn't know they had an entrepreneurial spirit and then seeing a business person come out of them. They're just so thankful and so grateful, man. And like I say, what a great thing to come out of the military when you're so insecure, don't have any idea what the hell you're good for, and to have a group of people, a group of military, waiting to take them by the hand and help them.
1: Absolutely. And uh, as you mentioned, there's so many ancillary business opportunities for these vets when they, um, you know, graduate from, you know, the program that you're uh, you're giving them. And I think it's really important uh, to to learn these extra skills, and and the skills that they learned in the military can help them very much so with cultivation, because it's all about uh, being on time, patience, diligence, and many of the things that you learn in military training uh, apply directly to not just uh, the cultivation side, but running the business, showing up and being there. Uh, Now, can you tell me how can uh, a patient that wants access to one of these 10 by 10 spaces uh, and be able to look at an app that gives them 24-hour access, uh, twenty-four hour access via video to their grow. How does that patient get in touch with you guys? Like, what's your uh, websites and social media? And also, how can a veteran who's out there possibly listening to us or, or a family member of theirs uh, get
2: them involved in this as well as a grower or a patient? Okay, for Veterans Cannabis... Just go ahead. You can get on our Facebook, which is Veterans Cannabis, or you can just go to veterans, C-A-N-N-A-B-I-Z dot org. Or you can go to U-Grow, which is the letter U, G-R-O-W, rentals.com. So we're taking care of this incredible asset they're just not gonna be thrown away. They're gonna be repurposed into a new field that's gonna bring them the pride that they need and the, and the direction, but it's also gonna help all of our growers, all of our elderly who are being really over-medicated because that's all they've got Our pharmaceuticals. That's what the doctor gives them. And we're not saying that's bad. But if you can take a couple of those away and replace it with something that is more organic to the body, well, doesn't that just make sense? So we're helping not only caregivers, we're helping the people that want to grow their own particular organic strain for their medicine, know from inception where it comes from, what was put on it. There's no chemicals on there also be learning, learning more about this incredible plant. So it's just kind of a win-win.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Roland Cordova. Uh, I know it's a cliche, but thank you for your uh, for your service, your military service, and also for your service to the plant. And more importantly, we're talking about human beings and their health and well-being. And as you mentioned, you know, they're at risk and and very much in need of help. So uh, truly appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming on the
2: show. Uh, thanks for doing what you do Mike Danny. Thank you for the opportunity you guys. What people need to understand is before the turn of the century, it was the number two prescribed plant to almost every disorder, but for political for money for greed for whatever it 's been squashed, so we got to get back to our roots. The world is evolving and It's we just need to realize that toxins and things that are poisoning us have a serious effect on how we think, how we sleep, how we love. And so you guys, we all got to do it as a family, you know, and hopefully in the future we will meet again.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, And we will be back with more Grow Bud Yourself after these messages. Hey guys I want to tell you about sweet leaf plant nutrients they have an incredible line of organic fertilizers uh, brand new legacy line as well which is organic and some synthetics a lot of really incredible tools for the modern gardener so check them out at sweetleaf.com s u i t e l e a f the code Danko 15 gets you 15% off of everything that you can get at SweetLeaf, which also includes uh, complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits, uh, a bunch of different apparel and merch, and their signature line of amazing nutrients. If you join our Patreon, uh, you can get even more codes for 20 or even 25% off of SweetLeaf newts and other products. I want to thank them for being a sponsor, and as always, tell them that Grow Growbud Yourself sent you. All right, and welcome back. Uh, great having Roland on the show, and as I said, thank you for your service to all veterans. And yeah, if you're a veteran or a patient, reach out, uh, particularly in California. But I have a feeling they'll be expanding pretty soon into other areas as well. So uh, yeah, thanks to him and uh, to all of y'all. And I think now we're we're approaching the the cultivation segment of the show.
0: Hey. I think we're in it. We are in right, the cultivation well, segment. And, let's uh, start growing. Yeah, man. Well, as our listeners know, each week Dan likes to take on a grow topic that's going to help you become a better cultivator. So what are we talking about this week?
1: So this week we're talking about building the foundation. Uh, basically, it's the vegetative stage, but particularly lighting and feeding uh, and the important things to to remember during this important stage. And for most of us, this is the stage that we're in, particularly if you're growing Outdoors. I mean, if you're indoors, you could be in any stage at any time. Uh, but I do think that it's neglected. Sometimes people think, oh, you know, just uh, grow your seedlings and uh, and then focus on the flowering stage. But vegetative stage is super important. Uh, it really lays the groundwork for the stronger plants that uh, will actually be able to bear the weight of the flowers that you're going to be growing. So there's two stages to to cannabis plant growth. Uh, a lot of you guys know this, but just in case there's beginners. Uh, out there, it starts with the vegetative stage and then it moves into the flowering stage. And outdoors, this happens naturally f- by the shift from the summer to the fall. Uh, indoors, you do this by changing the light cycle of your plants um, from, you know, 18 or 20 hours on uh, with six to four off to 12, 12, 12 on, 12 off. And that starts and triggers the flowering process. But uh, right now, we're talking about the vegetative process. So Uh, Some people say 18 hours. Some people say 20. Some people 22, 24. Uh, It's really a matter of personal preference in a lot of ways. Uh, 16 is the minimum. Anything less than that and you you threaten to uh, basically start flowering the plants prematurely. Uh, So 16 is like, hey, if you're worried about electricity or heat, uh, you know, you can veg at 16. Uh, 18... To 20 is more preferable just because, you know, if you think about it, the plants are just getting that much more light, but yet still having enough of a dark cycle uh, that they can recover and do what they need to do. Uh, so, you know, a happy medium is, is I would say, 18 hours on, six hours off. Uh, if you want really want to push it, you could go to 20 hours on and four hours off. Uh, just remember, you're going to have higher bills. You're going to have more heat, and you know the plants are going to be soak, soaking up more water, absorbing that. So, these are just things to consider. Some people say 24 hours. I do not like a 24-hour uh, light on uh, veg. I just think the plants have to have some kind of rest. And uh, you know, people push back on that. Even some some very prominent uh, growers will do that. But uh, I do think plants need that rest. And I, I think, honestly, that's the time that they actually uh, use the sunlight and the nutrients and the water that they've absorbed to, to you know, build more cells. So uh, to me, the daytime is when they're, uh, you know, absorbing all that light and energy and, and, and soaking it in. And then the nighttime is actually when they're building it. So uh, I do like, you know, uh, somewhere around 18 to 20 hours. Anyway, I digress. Some growers indoors, you choose how long to vegetate. I say, you know, a month is a pretty good amount of time to veg because you're going to still have a two month flowering period on average. And that gives you, you know, four nice harvests a year indoors. And you can actually grow a pretty decent sized plant with a a month long veg. Uh, Just make sure you have at least about a gallon per week uh, minimum for those roots to grow into. And you'll have some nice, decent-sized plants. So uh, if you're doing what I mentioned, a a four-week veg, uh, you want at least a four- to five-gallon container. Those are your typical uh, buckets that you get from Home Depot. Uh, And, you know, it also allows you not to have to grow Sea of Green style where you're uh, cramming a bunch of smaller plants in and vegging them for a week or two uh, and then having these wispy little plants that... uh, all together might produce a little more in the end, you know, once you time it all out. But uh, I do think that it's just nicer to have a bigger plant. Uh, they're funner to trim. They're more satisfying to grow. And I think the, the, the finished product is actually better. It's not, doesn't have that premature uh, premature kind of quality that some, some of those sea of green plants do, especially hydro ones. Uh as far as lighting, you know, uh, ceramic metal halides are probably the, the top of the line most uh, efficient, not efficient, I should say, but, but best bang for your buck. Uh, but, you know, you can also use LEDs and fluorescent lights, uh, fluorescence in particular, if you don't want the heat or the added electricity of um, either the metal halides or even some LEDs. As far as feeding vegetative plants, uh, this is another thing that I think people get wrong a lot. Uh, They just think, oh, uh, they need a lot of nitrogen, let me give them a lot of nitrogen, but the truth is they need a balanced diet that is high in nitrogen but still has some potassium, some phosphorus, and a lot of the uh, micronutrients or elements that, uh, you know, obviously the big joke is the the plant needs CalMag, but it's true, the plant does need CalMag and uh, a lot of times that is the solution. Uh, this is a time when you can easily overdo it. If your plant is lush and green and healthy uh, and you're constantly feeding it more and more nutrients, eventually you're going to be overfeeding. You're going to see some burnt leaf tips. Uh, please scale back, flush away. Uh, my suggestion is learn when the plant just starts to fade just a little from, from a nice green to maybe a little lighter and then feed and then you'll get a, a real a much better idea. And I say that about watering as well. Uh, get an idea of wh- what the limit is uh, when the plant starts drooping and then water. And then you'll know uh, when it really needs water and you'll be able to anticipate that. And I think it's the same with nutrients. Always better to err on, on, on the lighter side than the harder side of both of those things. Uh, again, the roots need a wet, dry cycle. So uh, only apply water or nutrient solution when necessary Try to alternate between nutrient solution and plain water. Uh, and that way you'll hopefully not have that buildup of newts. And uh, the root system right Right now, you know, you just want to get a nice big root system. Uh, so anything you can do to allow oxygen to reach the roots, uh, water, nutrients, and all of that in the proper levels is very important. Uh, make sure that the climate in your room is, is at the optimum level, which is right around 40 to 50% relative humidity and, uh, you know, aim for 70 degrees or so temperature-wise and you'll have the perfect environment uh, to build a nice foundation and end up with a really strong plant and really beautiful flowers once you start the flowering period and go through that uh, two-month stage to get to the incredible cannabis that you are about to grow for yourself.
0: All right. Uh, Excellent grow tip. So thanks very much for that. And now uh, it is the time on the show when we answer some questions from our listeners. And if you have a question that you would like answered, uh, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh we got a bunch to get through, so let's jump right in. Let's do it. All right. We're going to kick it off with Hi Guy Nikolai. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. I love the name.
0: A fellow comrade. I was just going to say. All right. So. Hi Guy Nikolai writes, Hey Danny and Mike, recently two Granddaddy Perp seedlings came into my possession. A lack of proper cultivation knowledge led me to do my own research, which coincidentally is how I stumbled onto your podcast. I've been listening to you help other inexperienced growers. I was wondering if I could get some advice. I had my seedlings outside for the first couple weeks until I was able to purchase proper indoor equipment. Now they're in a 2x4x5 by by grow tent. With a 680-watt light at about 69 degrees and 78% humidity, I have a fan inside helping circulate air, but currently do not have proper tent ventilation. Uh, lastly, I water my plants every morning and night, but I do not yet have nutrients to give them. So uh, what can I do to improve my current setup and make the conditions more suitable for plants? What do you think, Dan? Wow.
1: Okay, well, hi, guy Nikolai... Uh... I love the name. Uh, one of my heroes, uh, Nikolai Vavilov. Uh, if you want to look that up, uh, Vavilov, V-A-V-I-L-O-V. Uh, an amazing uh, geneticist. Uh, I think we've talked about him on the show before. Maybe yeah, in we the old free mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, an amazing Russian uh, plant scientist who worked hard to feed the entire world and died of starvation in Stalin's. Uh, uh, labor camp during World War II. So a very interesting story uh, that I'd love to talk about. But yeah, Nikolai Vavilov, uh, you guys, uh, he actually did experiment uh, with cannabis. He named Cannabis Afghanica, uh, the hash variety, in his during his many travels uh, to collect seeds and do hybridization. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, as far as your question, uh, your humidity at 78% is really high. Temperature is not bad. I mean, 68, 69 degrees is perfect. uh, But I'm a little worried about the humidity. It's almost 80%. And I think uh, you're going to run into some problems if you don't uh, get some proper ventilation uh, and pull some of that uh, humid air out of your tent. Um, The plants should be fine. Uh, As far as, you know, nutrients, you're eventually going to need some nutrients. Uh, For now, you know, maybe you're in some some nice hot soil uh, that has some nutrients built into it. And uh, eventually what's going to happen is if you're just giving the plants plain water, they're going to run out of nutrients and they're going to start showing signs of deficiency, which is just a slight yellowing at first. If you see that, that's a good time definitely to start giving it nutrients Uh, and You know, mix the nutrients into a nutrient solution, uh, check the, make sure the parts per million and the pH is proper, and then pour that in uh, into your plants. Uh, And I think that will be definitely, that'll improve your setup. Uh, Definitely want to reduce humidity, so do whatever you can to get that uh, ventilation going. And uh, good luck, and uh, definitely appreciate the question, so thank you.
0: All right, yeah, thank you, hi guy, Nikolai. Uh, let's move on to uh, Grow Farms, who writes, uh, Hi team, I'm a huge fan, I enjoy the podcast a lot, it's been very helpful. My question is, is it possible to transition a plant from flowering back into veg through manipulating light exposure in an indoor environment? And if this is possible, how long should the plants remain in the second veg before starting the second flowering phase? So what do you say, Dan? Yes, uh
1: you can transition a plant from flowering back into veg um, and it is exactly like you said you manipulate the light exposure so you just give the plant more light. This is called revegging and people do it uh quite frequently. Uh it happens when you grow something from seed and you and you want to uh take a clone and you know you you finally grow out the flower and you think it's so amazing and uh you you, you neglected to take a clone when the plant was in the vegging stage and you got no more seeds. The only way to keep those genetics is to revege the plant. Uh, so basically, you harvest the flowers off the plant. You got to leave some fan leaves on the plant. You got to leave some some growth there, even after you take off uh, the flowers. Leave some of the bigger fan leaves. Leave some of the growth, and then immediately put that plant under uh, eighteen to twenty or so hours of light per day. And what you'll see is eventually uh, some little. You know, shoots will start coming out even in the places between, you know, between in the nodes between where the leaves meet the stem. And those shoots will be vegetating shoots. Uh, As far as how long to do that, I mean... You want to build a certain foundation what i would do honestly is you don't get a ton of flowers when you re-veg plants the real reason to re-veg plants is to keep a genetic that you think is amazing that you only have in a flowering form it's kind of like oops you know i, ma- uh, I made a mistake i grew out these amazing seeds uh thinking i'd just it'd just be a one-off but now that i've uh, realized how amazing this bud is i i need to make sure i have a mother plant of this plant. So I'm going to re-veg it and then I'm going to take a clone from one of those shoots uh, after it's long enough, you know, two or three sets of uh, leaves and and that's going to become uh, a mother plant that I'm going to then take clones from and grow. Uh, but as far as re and then flowering, I would say give it at least, uh, I would say a month or so of uh, vegging or that second veg stage before I would start any kind of flowering. And again, that transition is going to take a few weeks to begin with. So the plant has to recover from being cut. You know, you're cutting all the buds off the plant. You're leaving just a few leaves. The plant thinks it's dead for the most part. And you're basically using the light to manipulate the plant into staying alive. So there's a huge recovery curve there. That could be two, three weeks could be a month. Uh, just in order to start seeing some shoots. And then once those shoots come out, uh, you want those to build some kind of a base before you start flowering. So I would say minimum a month of uh, revegging time. Uh, And it really depends, honestly, on how quick the plant bounces back.
0: All right. There you go. Uh, Thanks a lot, Grow Farms. Let's move on to uh, Donkey Farmer. And he writes, Danny and Mike... Thanks for all the great grow tips. I am in Oregon, and in early May, I bought two 12-inch clones that were grown indoors. I replanted them into five-gallon buckets and put them outside. Instead of growing, they immediately went into flower. Uh, Now I have one plant with six flowers, and the other has three. What should I have done differently so they would have stayed in veg? What would you say to Donkey Farmer?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, and I think, it, you know, it. Does shine a light on the previous question because the thing that you would be doing is to manipulate the light cycle. So uh, you put the plants out, uh, let's say in early May, and what happened is they weren't getting enough light, so they started flowering. Uh, and if they had just, if you had just put them out, you know, let's say in late May, early June, it might have bridged the gap and and made it to the, you know, the veg stage. But if you could use some type of a light to manipulate the plant. Uh, I know that you said these were grown. The clones came from indoors, but you put them outside. If you could have even just any kind of a light outside that convinces the plants to stay in the veg stage and just extends the the sunlight for an extra couple of hours at that time, the plants would have stayed in veg uh, and not gone into flower. Um, so basically, uh, light... There's light deprivation when you want the plant to flower. And then there's light, you know, supplementation when you want this plant not to flower and stay in veg. And I think light supplementation would have been the way uh, for you to keep that going. And remember, that doesn't mean you have to uh, replicate the sun. You just need the plant not to think it's dark. So uh, fluorescent will work, compact fluorescents, uh, LEDs, any kind of light really uh, to convince the plant just to stay in the veg cycle.
0: All right, very good. Thank you, Donkey Farmer. Uh, let's hop over to Patreon, take a question from L.E. Grower. And he writes, uh, Danny D., what up? I look forward to Friday and not because it's the end of the work week. I really appreciate and enjoy the show. I would never have started growing if it wasn't for your show. I just wanted to drop a thank you and see if you could give me some advice about a pest control problem for an outside grow. I'm having problems with earwigs. And uh, now I'm going through an aphid problem. I just wanted to get your take on what kind of pesticides I should use. Keep up the awesome work. Much props to Mike Hughes and his production skills. Who's that? Uh, So, yeah, what would you say to L.E. Grower uh, about these pesticides?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'd say is I don't really love pesticides or even that word. Um, If anything, I would use some type of insecticidal soap to begin with. Uh, And earwigs, I haven't really heard of earwigs being like a huge problem for cannabis. Uh, Aphids, on the other hand, uh, are a mess. But I love predatory insects. Uh, And in particular for aphids, uh, green lacewings, they're from the Chrysopidae family. Uh, And what's cool, their larvae feed on the eggs and the immature stages of pests, which includes actually spider mites, thrips, white flies. And more. Uh, so if you're using an IPM system, which is integrated pest management, I think you're going to want to have a uh, uh, something that's not a harmful pesticide, like an insecticidal soap. Safer is like an obvious one, but there's lots of other ones out there. Um, and, you know, along with that, you want to also use uh, predatory insects. And green lacewings, I believe, are one of the more amazing ones for aphids. Uh, the larvae love to devour them. And sometimes they're even referred to as aphid lions, uh, which is awesome. You can order them online. Uh, what you get shipped to you are the eggs. They're in an inert medium uh, made up of rice or bran hulls. And basically when that arrives, you just disperse that mix around the base of your plants. Uh, within a few days, those eggs hatch and they start munching on the uh, mature aphids and their eggs so very effective and uh very satisfying as well
0: all right there you go uh thank you le grower thanks to everybody who wrote in we really appreciate it we're gonna continue the q a over on patreon so our patreon followers should hop over there and uh, get an extra question um if you have a question that you would like answered on the show get in touch with us you could email us that is info at growbudyourself.com uh, what do you say we take a little break, come back, and wrap it up? Let's do it.
1: All right. Welcome back. And this is the wrap. I want to thank DJ Jacques and Winstrong episode 58. Can you believe it? Here we are. Uh, remember Vapor.com. You can use that GBY code for 15% off there. Uh, Check out Excelsior Extracts on Instagram. Their pain relief rub is THC infused and really works wonders. If you have any kind of uh, skin, nerve, any kind of pain or damage that's been done, uh, use the Excelsior Extracts pain relief rub and I guarantee you will feel relief. Uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients. The code is DANCO15 for 15% off. If you join our Patreon, you can get... Free gear, free newts, and uh, codes for even more percent, 20%, 25% off from them. So thank you to Sweetleaf. Uh, Rocket Seeds, you guys are incredible. Uh, thank you for spreading the genetics all around the world and continuing to uh, support shows like this and provide people with high-quality cannabis seeds, whether they be uh, regular, feminized, autoflower, fast, CBD, all of it so check out rocketseeds.com. Uh thanks to Mike, my rock, my sword. <laughs> you guys, listeners, Patreon supporters in particular, you guys are amazing. We're almost up to 70 supporters. I think we're at 69 uh supporters there, which is incredible. Anybody wants to join up there? You get all kinds of cool free stuff, uh including like copy a uh, signed copy of my book. Uh, a bunch of merch and, and products from sweetleaf Leaf. Uh, tons of stuff there. So please check out patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Uh, I would be honored if you signed up as a Patreon patron. So please do uh, support the show. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. Thanks to the YouTube people, everyone who asks questions. Episode number 58, I think, is uh, nearing the end of the ninth inning. We are two strikes, two outs. Here's the pitch. Struck him out. Put it in the books. We'll be back next week. Thank you guys. Peace.